0: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
1: Welcome to our show, everybody. We are about to be in the presence of a true Hollywood treasurer. You know him as C.T. Granville in the beloved PBS educational series <laughs> Prius of the Mimi's, as basketball player number 10 in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> and from his powerful performance in this 1989 Burger King commercial.
2: Hello? Hi, is this Burger King? Uh. Yeah, yeah, this is Burger King. Would
3: you deliver a chef's salad? Uh, for you, you absolutely. When hunger calls, goes, there's only one way to have it your way. Jeff? Dad? Because at Burger King, when you want to give people what they want, sometimes, be right home, you've got to break the rules.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. If I had known that uh, commercial would get this kind of response, I would have been much more optimistic about my career. I don't remember the similar enthusiasm at the time. The director almost fired me, and now I can see why. Oh,
1: what do you remember from filming that commercial other than you just gave a tidbit? You were almost fired? Hmm?
2: Yes, I do remember that. I remember a couple of things. One. They asked me, I was, I was 16 or just maybe turned 17. And I remember the guy with the car guy, you know, because it was a car in the commercial and I had to drive and they're, they're always worried about actors driving. <laughs> and they I, remember, are. <laughs> I remember he asked me if, to this day, him and some teamsters and they were standing around. And he goes, do you know how to drive kid? It was in New York. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know how to drive. Were you sure? And I was like, guys, I've driven like 500 or a thousand miles. Lifetime, have you? I guess we're all set. And I also remember being like, I don't know why this director uh, keeps making me do it over and over again. And now looking at the performance, I have a better idea. Ah, director
1: (laughs) to director. And I love your directing so much, Ben Affleck. I saw Air. This is the fifth film you've directed. Um... (laughs) Did you shoot on film or digital? I was trying to find the Um, answer.
2: We shot super eight and 16 millimeter film. And we also shot uh, the old video cameras, like the three tube video cameras, where when you would move, you know, the little lights would streak sort of like the highlights, you know, And because I felt like part of convincing people that you're in a different period of time is like, we connect those things to the way we experience life then and And that was the media that we were looking at stuff on so i did both and then i took the digital and 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 bob richardson and i did a lot to the put a lot of glass in front of it and did a lot of things including making matt look a little more squat and wide which he was happy about and um (laughs) to to to, to sort of make it look different and to make it feel more 80s because people if they look back on it fondly they kind of associate that with your movie
1: and that opening montage the that edit- was all
2: super great and
1: 16, yeah. Duh, the like the references of our lives, you guys, when you watch this, first of all, if you didn't live through it, you will understand like what the gadgetry was like, what the technology is like, what the food and the soda cans and the Walkmans and you know, I heard you did Yeah, a- I
2: was like watching you in the movies at that time. Okay, that's what was going on. <laughs> I almost took you in
1: the opening <laughs> You really, I mean- it, it, you're you're right, but the the choices you made as a filmmaker, like I'll tackle another one, which was We've. I've heard you out there saying you didn't want to have Michael Jordan or an actor play him so smart. Everyone's going to look at that and just be like, that's not Jordan. So those choices are so brilliant. Like, I
2: don't believe it would be possible to get an audience to believe that anyone other than Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. And so to see his face and try to sell, there he is, it would not only lose the audience, but then they wouldn't believe, they'd be like, oh, this is all false. This is all a lie. Yes. And so much of the work that you're trying to do is, create realism but that's and confidence that's, it's really his mom's story it's not his story so in fact talking to him he was quite he was like "Just my mom did this my mom took me to Oregon." he was i wanted to play nintendo i was like what and he said you know that that thing about would have given his his he would have you know sold his the rights for a red mercedes um so it's not that he was driving that aspect of it he's brilliant he's the greatest you know competitive athlete ever um but his without his mom Um, I don't think things would have worked as they did, which is why part of the movie really is a kind of a love letter to moms and an homage to that women who who do a lot of that work often and and without reward or approval or approbation or tension. Um, And I hope this was a kind of a gesture to say, you know, uh, you know, this guy would not have been this guy. And I think many, many men and women would not be who they were without the the sort of unfailing support of of in particular, you know, their moms.
1: But then there's a montage, I don't want to give anything away, but you do tap into what his future will hold. And you don't shy away from just showing the victories. You show the difficult things he goes through, the painful. Why did you choose to include that?
2: Well, because that's part of it. And if you're the greatest in the world, you're like by definition alone. And I didn't expect people to go, oh, we're gonna feel sorry for Michael Jordan because you know, he's, that doesn't work. And I believe like when you look at Michael and his career and the degree to which he just seems to be consumed with a need to be great and to win and be the best, I think that's a lot to carry around probably all day.
1: Do we have a clip? Let's take a quick look.
2: You got a name for it? what? The Michael Jordan line. You want to make him this offer you're talking about, you damn well better have a Michael Jordan line.
0: Yeah, uh, well, there was a thought that um, Pete actually thinks we should call it, Air Jordan. Mm.
1: I don't know. It's so brilliant. Okay, sorry, pivot. How- a scene like Argo, it's that's the edge of your seat scene. I've seen it 50 times and you're just like, oh my you God. You have that
3: haircut. I,
1: I know, the um... plane, the plane, the plane. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: what I've found is that you get, it's, it's hard because you go like, well, geez, everybody uh, knows what's gonna happen, right? So that you think, well, this makes my job difficult, but Actually, the truth is you get a lot of tailwind because people already know what happened and they they kind of enjoy being in on it. Like it's not about the outcome. The audiences don't, I don't think watch movies to see the plot resolve. I agree. Most of you know what the resolution is gonna be if you think about it. It's really that if you connect to the characters emotionally and you believe in them and you identify with them, you wanna see them reach a resolution because it makes you feel better.
1: And that is why you are Ben Affleck. And you're talking about this, and it brings me immediately into also you and Matt Damon. I mean, another Oscar. Goodwill Will Hunting. Not is our it, best look. Is it true that you guys had a shared bank account and then you like blew that money and rented a house with it, but in that house you wrote Goodwill Hunting? Is that accurate? That is that is a little bit out of order, but it is accurate. Set me straight.
3: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
1: Is it true that you guys had a shared bank account and then you, like, Blew that money and rented a house with it, but in that house you wrote Goodwill Hunting. Is that accurate?
2: That is, that is a little bit out of order, but it is accurate. Set me what straight. Happened was we did share a bank account and always thought it was perfectly normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to be actors and we were in Boston, we wanted to go to New York and you know, take the train up to New York and pay for that and had to go audition because that's where you could audition. So we, were, we would work a little bit, we would do extra work or a line here and there, the occasional Burger King commercial, and then take that money and put it in the account. And we both, we were friends and we wanted each other to succeed and we love each other. and So it seemed like clear, like let's do this together. And it's actually, I, in retrospect, really valuable because I think kind of starting out in a, in a field like that can feel very lonely. But we shared that bank account like into our 20s, even into when we lived and wrote Goodwill Hunting in a, a house in, in Eagle Rock, uh, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles, which was at the time a very inexpensive neighborhood and very far from all the places you had to go to audition and all that stuff. And then when we sold Goodwill Hunting, we I, I was like, we are now rich for life. My needs are over. I will never have to work again. We so you know, I'm rich forever. I, we sold it for $600,000. We split that, $300,000 each, and then the agents got $30,000, so we had two seventy, dollars and we paid about, you know, $160,000 in taxes. We so had $110,000. <laughs> we each bought $55,000 Jeep Cherokees. Um, <laughs> and then had $55,000 west, which, naturally, we decided to rent, like, a $5,000-a-month party house on Glencoe Way up by the Hollywood Bowl, and we were broke in six months.
1: To, you have started this company called Artist Equity. This is, everyone out there is like, uh, 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 and this is your title card.
2: Yeah, but see, the problem is when that's your resting face, it's often misinterpreted because here I am having a great time.
1: <laughs> Do you have RBF?
2: What's that? What's that?
1: Resting bitch face.
2: I definitely have RBS, if I can say that.
1: Well, you can here. Uh, Uh, I love, I think you did something uh, economical here, where this is an unprecedented company. This is where everybody in the production uh, benefits from the film's success. And the model in our industry is not that, nor has it, really ever been. And I applaud you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you
2: know, you're making me very uncomfortable because it really is about exactly that last thing you said, which is that it's a complete like uh, this has seemed obvious to me and totally in my self-interest. Like the if you the better the artists are who are and technicians who are on your crew, they make a massive difference. These are artists of just as much or greater significance as anyone in front of the camera. That's not a cliche. I understand that intimately. I know that you're surrounded by filmmakers. This is not sculpting or writing a novel by yourself. You are dependent on everybody you're working with. You're dependent on that environment, how it moves, how it's fostered, how people feel, whether they're valued. And frankly, you'll go to try to do some project and all the money to do it is like already committed to a bunch of like people who are long gone and that I've always believed in like, I I shouldn't have gotten paid for the movies that I was in that didn't work. That's not right, right? That's not fair. You lose money and I make... It should be. We should all put it on the line. We should work really hard collectively. And then everybody, actors, directors, the writers, the crew, should have the massive lion's share of the profit because I believe a company can stay in business with a narrow margin if you hire the right people. And so it's really about how you do it. And the same goes for, in fact... Uh, when I got um, together with my wife and and looked at um, well, what's really valuable here, at least in terms of of these companies' perspectives, um, because I believed, for example, that like um, that my wife was creating more value than she was being compensated for, that she was prin- the principal driver of interest in terms of the stuff she was doing, but that when the sort of broke down and the money got allocated. There are a lot of hands in the pot and effectively a lot of of ways of her being taxed by uh, people that weren't contributing the same meaning and value that she has spent, you know, 30 years building and creating and is hers and that she owns.
1: I just, first of all, sorry, female moment, like you fighting for your wife. I'm like, come on, please, just stop it. Well, she doesn't need me to fight for it, but I do I know, but we live for that stuff. She just seems like the pillar of health and wellness, and beauty, and sexiness, and, like, awesomeness. I love her so much. Do you have a cheat drawer in the house? Because I feel like I'm, I I don't know, I, like, do you? Let
2: me tell you something that's going to upset you.
1: Okay. Okay. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. Cheat drawer in the house? Because I feel like I'm—I I don't know. I like. Do
2: you... Let me tell you something that's gonna upset you. Okay. okay. I, Jennifer just eats whatever she wants, and it, it, whatever she wants—pizza, cookies, ice cream, everything.
1: Is it the working and out?
2: She works out. I mean, I work out too. But I don't magically appear to be 20 years old. You know what I mean? With perfect skin and the whole... Di- I'm. She is a just a. There's no taking away the work ethic. The work ethic is real. The discipline is very real. But also the superhuman thing is real. She's she's the most gorgeous woman in the world. She looks spectacular. I'm but s- hi.
1: That just yeah. That
2: <laughs> I put you to sleep. Doesn't
1: surprise. No, I'm swooning. Yeah. This oh. is this is me living vicariously through romance and men appreciating women and all of it. Okay, by the way, I'm back. Here we go. She's ben, an
2: easy person to appreciate. Yeah.
1: Will you play a game with me called the Final Five? Yes, I will, do what I will play. Okay. Number one, what is a random pet peeve that drives you nuts?
2: People who want to um, get paid for doing nothing.
1: Well, I'm glad to see you fighting for everyone to get paid for everything they are doing. So, thank you Okay, number two. What's a life moment that you want to relive again and again?
2: I guess I would center the the question around, you know, there's so many things. My kids, the birth of my children, you know, all the things that I've done, you know, with my kids. It's just the joy of life, you know. It's... um, it's the heart of life, and and you know these beautiful children who are innocent and loving, and who want to, you know, who sit on your lap and holds you and do, you know, and then they eventually turn into like you can close the door. You know, <laughs> uh, oh, can I? so you don't want to play shoots and ladders? I can, I can just go. Okay, um, it's it's the it's the gift of life. All those moments, and that that I'm beginning to see now how they are fleeting. But now I just like I treasure all these little moments. I just went and looked at colleges. With my daughter, and it was—it uh, was like all these months I showed Goodwill Hunting to my middle child, and like that was the best experiences of my life.
1: Yes, <laughs> I love those moments so much as a parent. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, it's, number three. If we asked um, your beautiful wife, um, your goddess of a wife, today, if there was one thing she could change about you, what would it be? Just today. Like?
2: Uh, she would probably want to cultivate brevity in my uh, way I speak. You know, I, I tend to go, I don't know if you've noticed, but I go on and on and on and on and on and talk, I talk a lot and I talk in circles and I think, she's never said that to me, but that would be my guess.
1: Okay, number four, when was the last time you went skinny dipping?
2: Uh, this is going to turn into a different kind of story. My wife and I went on, a, went on a little vacation recently. We went like in the pool. I don't know if that counts as skinny dipping. It wasn't well, were like you you naked? Know, the 80s college movie or anything. It was just kind of like. Were you, you naked?
1: Know, that's skinny dipping. You we were
2: naked in the pool. <laughs> well, yes, then that's so. it. Thank yeah. you.
1: Recently, perfect. I'm so glad. There's nothing more beautiful than swimming in that birthday suit. Okay, final question. If there was one film that you could remake, anyone in history, something that's personal to you or that you've always loved, what would it be?
2: Uh, That's a hard question because like, I wouldn't remake all the movies I love because they were made by my heroes and they're brilliant and they should be left just as they are.
1: Yeah. I do not disagree with that answer. And that's spoken like a true filmmaker. I love you as an actor, as a filmmaker, for the stories mm-hmm. you tell, the way you tell them, and thank you for all the things mm-hmm. since that Burger King commercial and before to everything You're you've done country. now. Everybody, Air is in theaters now. It is my favorite film. It is masterclass. Ben Affleck, you are so amazing. Thank you for doing this show. You we make thank, this you show. thank you. Sorry, we make this nice. show. Happy Sorry. Okay. You. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Drew Barrymore Show podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad free with Wondry Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondry.com/survey.
3: It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for WhoSmarted on any podcast
2: platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com.